Let me, before I begin the scripture reading in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, let me just back up a little bit and uh, step away from Hebrews a little bit and give you an idea. As we've been going through the book of Hebrews, and as we will continue through the book of Hebrews, it's really like a roller coaster ride. Because the author, as I've suggested earlier, uh, Barnabas, that was the earliest statement of the early church, Tertullian, who was born about 150 A.D. and died about 220 A.D. He just, as a passing comment, made the comment that the author of this letter was Barnabas. And I won't go into all the details on that, but he said it not as an argument, just as a passing comment, as everybody knows. So it wasn't even an issue. Everybody knew it, and he just happened to mention it, and we have that record. But as we've gone through this letter, it's been kind of a roller coaster ride where he will start a subject, then he will say, Oh, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're not ready for this. You need to repent. You need to get your life, you need to get your act back together. You need to, and then he said, okay, now let's go on. And then he starts on another topic, and then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, is this over your head? Is this over your head? And so he stops, and he again addresses their spiritual issues, and he says, okay, now picking up with the, and so he, it's like a roller coaster ride, <laughs> but it's also a feature of oriental cultures and ancient cultures. Let me give you an example. Uh, our friend Seton Lee, who has ministry in Cambodia. I remember one of the earliest testimonies we heard from him. Seton was in a Pol Pot concentration camp for nearly six years. When he finally was able to escape and was on his way to Thailand to where there was a Red Cross camp where if they could get through the hail of Thai bullets and survive, they could make it into this Red Cross camp. And so he was able to do that. Well, on his way to the Red Cross camp, he was led to Christ in the middle of a uh, minefield by another Christian. And he was led to Christ, got into that camp, and ultimately was allowed, was able to make it to the United States where he lives, uh, has a home even today near the Denver area. And, uh, but in 1990, he was able to go back. Cambodia opened up. The North Vietnamese had actually invaded Cambodia and run Pol Pot because he was, the communist Pol Pot was even a threat to the communist Vietnamese. So they invaded Cambodia, swept Pol Pot out. There's a, in the jungles along the Thai border, there are still about 35,000 troops of Pol Pot. And what happened was about close to 20 years ago, maybe more than that, Seton uh, was able to meet in secret with one of Pol Pot's old cabinet ministers. And he made the a point in his discussion with that man, will you please see if you can open a door for me to go to speak to the commanding general of those troops along the border there of Thailand inside Cambodia? Will you? And about six months later, he got word, hey, Seton, you want to talk to this general, be it this clearing in the jungle, you'll be met by two fellows with a, with a, a motorized trike, <laughs> and they will take you to this general. So he was there, they were there, and spent 20 hours going up jungle trails to 
where he was able to get to this camp where this general and his wife and his daughter and many of the troops that were Pol Pot's former soldiers were up there in hiding in the jungles. And Setan said to this man, I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to tell you about the God who will never leave you. And the general's reply was, well, I do want to hear about that God because my old God, Pol Pot, is in a hole in the ground 20 feet over there under a piece of tin. My old God deserted me. I want to hear about this new God. And Setan said, oh, okay, great. What? Oh, wait. No, I don't think you'd really be interested in it. No, really, I want to know. Well, okay, and see, uh, well, no, no, you didn't. The third time, the general starts begging. <laughs> please, 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 I want to hear it. All right, and so within about five minutes, Setan has led the general and his wife and their little girl to faith in Jesus Christ. The point I'm making here, it, was a, it is a trait of Oriental and the ancient cultures to get when you're bargaining with people in the marketplace, you hold out the product, then you pull it back. You hold it out, you pull it, and the third or fourth time when they're begging for it, then you say, okay, we can do a deal. Well, that's essentially what we're seeing in the book of Hebrews, because as Barnabas is explaining, he starts explaining things, then he says, oh, wait a minute, you're not really ready for this, are you? And then he gives them another rebuke because of the pattern of life they were being tempted by or had fallen into and then he says okay let's move on but we are going up and down this roller coaster and so here we are what has he said to them so far he has said to them in the earliest part of this letter because one of the things they are doing he is writing to people whom he barnabas and his nephew mark had gone to in north africa and they had done a lot of evangelism there, and many congregations had begun, mostly of Jewish people coming to faith in their Messiah. So it's a heavily Jewish community of Christians that they had led to Christ, and they were very forthright, they were very vocal, they were out there voicing their faith in the Lord Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is God the Son, and he has paid sin's penalty for us on the cross. That is what he's done. And the response to them has been very heavy persecution, both from within the Jewish community and the entire, because that is a threat to the Gentile pagan religions as well. And so they've begun to get lose their energy. And there is a Jewish cult that actually elevates the worship of angels that they were being attracted to. Now, the attraction here was not so much because of the false teaching of this cult. It was more had to do with anything we can do that diminishes the gospel, that actually cuts through, is Jesus plus, will reduce the persecution. Will reduce the persecution. And that really was what was the underlying motivation in their attraction to this cult. 
Well, so the very first thing that Barnabas does in his letter is he rebukes the idea of worshiping angels. Oh, my word, how, what silly nonsense. You just read the first couple chapters of Hebrews, and he is just mocking right out of the Hebrew scriptures. Angels are your servants. And in the kingdom to come, they're going to be serving you. You won't be serving. Stop this nonsense. And he does that from the Hebrew Scriptures, and then he starts elevating the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has created a rest for us. There is a prospect of a rest to come. In the creation, God worked, Christ worked six days, six days of creation. The seventh day was called his rest, and God rested on the seventh day. Well, that doesn't mean God was exhausted. He didn't hang a a hammock between a couple of trees and take a snooze. No, it meant he played with it. And by the way, Adam and Eve, who had been created on the sixth day, are there in paradise with him, enjoying this rest of God, this paradise. They're enjoying it with him. We don't know how long that went on before the fall of man took place and completely destroyed that paradise, caused God to have to curse the paradise. But here was a rest, and it was called that in the Hebrew Scriptures, the rest of God. Then you've got the episode where Israel was called out of Egypt, and they were given the promise of the land of Canaan, which was a sort of rest. But they, the Jewish people coming out of Egypt, completely blew it. There was no other than the generation that witnessed the miracles of the Lord Jesus and those, the people who walked with him and saw all those miracles, hundreds if not thousands, that generation of Jews that came out of Egypt, there is no generation other than perhaps the ones that those who accompany Jesus that had as much evidence of the power and loyalty of their God as that generation. They had seen Moses was sent back to them, and they witnessed their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, completely dismantle and destroy the most powerful, wealthy nation on the planet that they knew anything about, Egypt. They witnessed it. They walked between the walls of water at the Red Sea to safety, and then turned around and watched Pharaoh and his army get drowned in the Red Sea. And God was faithful to them, providing food and water for the next two years till he brought them up to Kadesh Barnea. And they sent 12 spies into the land. They came back, and they were talking about what a wonderful place. This is the western third of the Fertile Crescent, one of the most agriculturally prosperous places on the planet that God had promised to them. And they're hey, this is everything that it's supposed to be. It is. Uh, but 10 of the spies said, oh, but by the way, they have walls around their towns and cities, and we really don't think we can handle this. And we don't want to put our children in danger. Two exceptions, Joshua and Caleb said, oh no, our God who destroyed Egypt what are these people compared to them? They're nothing. How can you possibly doubt God's ability to step you into this land and his ability to give it to you? 
And of course, when they did, 38 years later, step in, what happened? The walls fell down. (laughs) At the first city, Jericho, this is the God who was fully able, but they spent an extra 38 years wandering around in the wilderness so that older generation that refused to believe God could die out so that their children, oh, we can't endanger our children by taking them in there. Okay, so your children are going to be the conquerors instead of you. And they were. Their God was able. But they forfeited the rest that was available to them because of their unbelief. And what is Barnabas saying to this? Are you going to imitate them? Are you going to imitate them? Yes, you've been asked by God to walk a difficult pathway, but it's going to be worth it. And then he quotes Psalm 95. There is a rest promised to you. Written hundreds of years by David, written hundreds of years after the conquest. He's not talking about the rest of the land of Canaan. He's talking about the kingdom glory to come. You can qualify yourself for kingdom glory based on the consistency of your walk with God in this difficult time. You will enhance your kingdom glory. You will step into that future rest of God. And so he's already made that point, and now he begins again, chapter 4, verse 14, after he's made this statement about the rest and and argued that point, he starts to talk about another blessing that we have in present time. Chapter 4, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he, God the Father, who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God 
as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, this is what I was talking about earlier. This is the (laughs) ride that we're on. Oh, wait, you're not really ready for this, are you? He's saying to the readers, oh, are you really ready? Are you? Yes, 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 Barnabas, please, 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 please. (laughs) But he's doing, he's backing away, creating incitement in them to listen to what he's going to say. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. You've gone from maturity to back to infancy. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So he starts laying out wonderful truth, and then he backs it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, are you really ready for this? Well, let's go back and look at the wonderful truth. He's setting before them. Yes, we have been invited by God into this wonderful rest. There is a kingdom to come. And whatever sacrifice you have to endure, you have to make here, whatever misery you may endure here because of your loyalty to Jesus will be more than made up for in that place of rest, in that place of that paradise to come. Now he adds to that incitement that encouragement, oh, by the way, you have somebody to walk beside you on the way. God doesn't say, well, here's the map, here's the path, you let me know when we get to the kingdom how it went. No, I will be with you every step of the way. As he says in chapter 4, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Then he speaks of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. He was a human being. Now, by the way, let me back up here. There are two views about Melchizedek. One is that he was a theophany. He was just a a God kind of uh, somebody that Abraham could see, but he was actually a a theophany, a, a miraculous picture, and he to him, Abraham, who had just defeated uh, the armies of the people that came over and cap- took captive Lot and his family and all the rest of the people in Sodom and taken them captive, and God used Abraham and his compatriots. They went and defeated those people, rescued Lot and his family and all these people and all the booty that they had stolen. They got everything back, and then this fellow Melchizedek comes to Abraham, still called Abram. And he is a priest of God most high. Well, is he a theophany? Is he just a picture? Or is he an actual human being? I I would say 90 plus percent say he's an actual human. He is the king of Salem, which means king of peace, which was the name of a city that later became Jerusalem. And became Jerusalem 
when the Jebusites conquered it, and it probably for a little while was Jebusalem, and then it was just easier to say Jerusalem. But he was the king of that city of peace, Salem. And that's what Salem, Shalom, means. But his name means king of righteousness. So he's king of righteousness, and he is king of peace. And Abram gave tithes to him. Knowing he is a high priest of God, and inside uh, one of Abram's descendants is this fellow Aaron, who would be the high priest, the first high priest, and all of his and his firstborn descendants, all the way down through the line. Uh, they are also paying tithes in the person of their greater father Abram. They're paying tithes to Melchizedek. So here is a high priesthood that is elevated above the high priesthood of Aaron and his descendants. Okay. Again, 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. It's already been stated, Jesus is a high pri- is a priest forever. This is a quotation from Psalm 2. <laughs> this is a quotation, excuse me, from Psalm 110. You are a priest forever. This is God the Father speaking to God the Son. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord said to my Lord, you are my son. This day I have begotten you. Remember that episode where Jesus, the Jewish leadership is there? And Jesus says to the Jewish leaders, the Messiah, the coming promised son of David who will take David's throne. Whose son is he? Oh, well, he's the son of David. Okay, I have a question for you then. How is it that David in Psalm 110 says, the Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, you are my, I will make you king. I'm making you king. If he's David's son, how is it that David calls him Lord? And they're like, uh, 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 moving right along, moving right along. Well, Jesus of Nazareth is a descendant of David through the humanity of his mother Mary. He is, has the right to David's throne through his legal father, Joseph, who actually had the right to the throne. If you read the genealogy in Matthew, So he has the legal right to the throne. He is also a descendant of David, but he's also God the Son become flesh. And that's why David calls him Lord. Now, one of the things to be aware of in all of the ancient cultures, no daddy ever said to his son, ever called his son Lord. It just didn't happen. Even if daddy has made a career of being a beggar at the side of the road, and his son somehow or other becomes king. Daddy still never calls his son Lord. That doesn't happen. So what is it about this person who will be David's descendant, but whom David calls Lord? There has to be something rather unusual about him. Well, there can really only be one answer. He is God. Or David would not be calling him Lord. But this same Psalm says, you are a priest, you are, you are going to be king. You are also a priest 
You will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So you are son, God the son, become flesh. You will be a priest. Well, what's the role of a priest? Let me read verses 14, chapter 4, 14 again through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, stepped into the very presence of his father, Jesus, the son of God. We have a high priest who is also the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. We have a priest. A priest is someone who stands on behalf of the worshiper before God. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens into the very presence of the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Don't back down. Readers, these people suffering persecution, hold fast to your confession. Is it costing you something? Yes. But is it worth it? Yes, it is worth it. And not only because of the promised rest, but because your high priest is with you even now. He is present in the in the heaven, and he is present with you now. Jesus, the Son of God, because he is our high priest, is Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Satan will tell you, God hates you. Satan will tell you, God is disgusted with you. Now, I'm not in any way saying that God doesn't understand sin to be sin and that he isn't repelled by our sin. But God so loved the world. People as unlike him as we could possibly be. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. These are Jesus' words in John 3. He gave his only begotten son. That means the heir of all things. That whoever... Whoever, even that woman dragged into the temple before Jesus who had been caught in adultery in the very act. Whoever believes in him, even that fellow crucified beside Jesus who had been mocking Jesus and then rebukes the other man and says, we deserve what we're getting. Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, you will be with me this day in paradise. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. There is no temptation or test you have ever faced that Jesus didn't endure that and much more because he couldn't be broken. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to come in time to help in time of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Lord, I'm not qualified. That's why you're qualified. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called mercy. The qualification for mercy is you need it. The qualification for grace is you need it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, the the throne of provision, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is with you every step of the way. Your high priest, your shepherd is with you every step of the way. Know that, know that, know that. For every high priest, just expanding the explanation here, this is Aaronic high priest or Melchizedekan. 
For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. That was the role of Aaron and his descendants. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. And so as we pray for one another in our times of prayer, as, and we hear people confessing or crying out, we can join with them. Our hearts can join them in their trouble, in their test. They're also subject to weakness. Because of this, he, God, requires required as of the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. The ironic on Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, every year. The high priest, that was the only time in the entire year the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. He would go in very carefully and present a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice for himself. And if he survived the experience... They were very, very careful. We have no record of anybody being struck by lightning. They would come out and then bring in the blood for the sacrifice for the people for the year, Day of Atonement. First for the priest's own sins and then for the people's. Well, of course, Jesus doesn't need to present the first offering. He is absolutely perfect in his person, in his being. Because of this, he... The Aaronic high priest is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself. You can't appoint yourself high priest. But he who is called by God, just as Aaron was, you must be called. It is an honor granted. It's not something you earn. It's granted. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. You are f- stepping into the fullness of your inheritance. He is the only begotten son. Jesus stepped into the fullness of his inheritance as God the Son when he rose from the dead and ascended to, the heaven, to heaven. And then he was able to say in Matthew 28 to the apostles immediately before his ascension, All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, and I will be with you. I will be with you. Even to the end of the age. Yes, will I be resident in heaven as your high priest, as your intercessor? Yes, but I will also be present with you here. Verse 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That high priest to whom Abraham paid tithes and Aaron paid tithes through this work of Abram, it was likewise Aaron was paying tithes. This is a high priesthood above the high priestly order of Aaron and those who followed him. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, whose very name means king of righteousness, whose office was king of Salem, king of peace, who in the days of his flesh 
when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement, this is speaking of Jesus, who in the, this is the son, who in the days of his flesh, his earthly walk, walk in his humanity here, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is crying out, Father, if it be possible, pass this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he is, his blood pressure is so high, the capillaries are bursting, mixing with his sweat. But he went through, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then he was that sacrifice. Who presented Jesus? Who was the priest that placed the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross? Jesus himself he could have called what did he say when the apostles are so frightened i can call 10 legions of angels to defend me if i want to be defended that's over 70,000 angels i have the resource to deliver myself from this crucifixion but i'm not going to avail myself i am going to present myself as an offering. And he was nailed to that wooden cross, who in the days of his flesh, his earthly walk, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son. Okay, was Jesus heard? Ah, the words of Jesus from the cross. It is finished. It's paid in full. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. With vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard. He was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Can Jesus as my high priest actually hear and understand what I'm saying about the temptations and the trials I'm facing here? Yes, because he went through the same thing. It's a very interesting statement made in Luke's gospel about Jesus' childhood. Jesus grew in grace and knowledge. Now, he was the star pupil. But Jesus actually, in setting aside his non-moral attributes, his omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence, localizing himself to a human body, went through the same process we do. Now, he was the star pupil, but he grew in grace and knowledge. He learned, now he never made any mistakes, and the wisdom, the things he understood to be true were, were always the authentic truth. But he placed himself under the same process he, that we are in. And so he is able to sympathize. Yes, I've been there, done that. Excuse me, I've been there, haven't done that. <laughs> I am your, I can hear you. I've been in that place. Because of his, he was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, this is my, but what does God the Father say of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? 
This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation, redemption to all who obey him, called by God as high priest. Redemption is, yes, it is faith in the promise. It's believing the promise. It's transferring our trust from ourselves to the... It is, also, it is also an act of obedience. God commands all men everywhere to repent. And so when we come to faith, when we place our faith in Christ, abandoning faith in our own goodness in favor of what he did, we are actually obeying a command from God. He commands all men, all human beings everywhere to repent. And having been perfected, he became author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Oh, I'm, oh, it's, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting ahead of your education level. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Now, you ought to be able to hear this. but uh, 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 <laughs> For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. I've, I'm going to have to go back and redo what I already did when I was with you. I'm gonna, when I was with you, <laughs> I'm going to have to reteach you the super basics. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles, the very basics, the elementary stuff of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid. You were into solid food. You were into good meals when I left. Now you're back to the bottle. You're back to milk. Because you have not been focused on the agenda that God has for you. You have become you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. And I'm talking to you about, uh, we're gone from elementary, we're going to high school now, guys. And we need, so please get with the program. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food, which is what I've been starting to lay in front of you, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, who are mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You were at a certain place where what I'm, just, I'm saying to you, you would have fully understood and embraced. Now you've fallen back, and I've got to reteach you. And, oh, and of course, the, re the original readers... They're going, yeah, we're worthy of this rebuke. This is appropriate. But since we've already learned, had we used to be at a higher place, we should be able to get back there faster. And of course, Barnabas knows that. And so he's going to, he's slowing down. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe this is beyond you. And then as we're going to see in following, okay, we'll give you, another, we'll give you a chance here. So, ladies and gentlemen, I ask you, and I ask myself the same question. Have I, have we been persistent in being in the word of truth so that we are able to progress, so that we understand? There was a point where Barnabas came to this understanding. 
he had to learn. He's leading them through a learning process that he had to go through. Oh my word, he's reading Psalm 110 that the Lord said to my Lord, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And also, there's a high priest, I'm making you a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There was a learning process Barnabas went through, and now he's leading them through, and we all need to be doing the same thing. And so, what we what can we take away from this? We can take away from, from this the knowledge, number one, we have a high priest. When you sit down... We have someone with us. When you sit down and open God's Word, one of the most fantastic things about Christianity is when you open God's book, you've got the author of the Scripture, the author of that book, sitting right beside you to explain its meaning to you. He is present with you. How cool is that? So if you encounter a passage, Lord, I don't get how this works, would you please show me? He will. Now, often he uses other people in the body to assist that, to accelerate that program, but he is the ultimate expositor of the Scripture. He, we are all students, just at different levels of learning, and those who have attained more can turn around and serve those who are still on the trail behind them, but that doesn't mean they're smarter. It doesn't mean they're better. It just means they're maybe ahead of you on the trail. That's all that means. But we have a high priest. We have somebody with us who can sympathize and address every problem we might have in this walk, in this hostile environment. Let's cry out to that God right now. Our Lord, every single person here should be further down the trail than we are. We ask that you would increase the devotion in our hearts, our spirits, to being in your presence, especially with an open Bible every day, to be taught by you, to be energized by you, to be cleansed by you, to be healed by you in our spirits, in our souls, that we might, in fact, be truly useful instruments of yours in this hostile environment, and that you might cause actually an explosion of gospel truth in this community, first in us, in our families, and in this community. We ask for this divine outcome in your name, good shepherd Jesus, our high priest, who is so loyal and committed to that role. We give you thanks. And all God's people said, Amen.